Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Velvet Armchairs by Natalie Eldred Emily took out the bunch of keys that had been in her pocket for weeks now. She unlocked the small wooden door and stepped down into a room containing two full-sized armchairs in soft green velvet. Jack immediately leapt into one and began to pad round and round. He was making a bed, certainly a good sign. She walked past the grease-smelling engine room, stepped up, unlocked the rear door and slid back the hatch to expose the sky. Standing on the deck, she smiled as she threw her mobile phone into the murky waters of the Grand Union Canal. Like to take a cinnamon fix Be a standing cinnamon Dress my friends up for the show 
to see them as they really As if newness could be goodness Every time without a slip As if the words he gave you Didn't bind you and make you trip We in our ways The carelessing of hands The turning of days Toward a hopeful evolution Where from the reverence that you feel The error in our ways The carelessness of hands The turning of days In Stitches by Gladys Hornet. I was staying with my sister and her three young boys. Six-year-old Philip proudly showed me his swimming awards. They need to be sewn on my trunks, he said. Hoping to be of some use, I offered to do this. Without hesitation, my busy sister agreed, and I diligently sewed the badges on. Later that week, we went to the swimming pool for Philip's next lesson. We settled at the side while Philip changed into his trunks and lined up ready for the lesson. Excited, he jumped in, then set off, closely followed by a flotilla of badges. Hold on me, I got that hold on you Why don't we dance? 
show tastes of our community stay tuned for our full recipe of onion chat and music mixed and cooked to perfection do not repeat do not leave your onions unattended full terms and conditions apply Found Art by Sophie Drenogel. When I entered the dried out floodplain in the woods, Carpeted by the half-dead leaves of winter through which greens now begin to soften the blow of the cold, wet months. A military presence of huge marching concrete braces tower above, foreboding in their presence. A sentry supporting a heavy metal pipe, leading somewhere beyond the thicket of thorny vines and crippled trees. An iron and concrete curtain foreboding in its presence as I look up. On its surface, the graffiti endures in faded red and blue. The flags of nations, remains of deserted posts. The grass is 
by Phil Boast. From the off, he had never been in favour of Lottie, the golden retriever, sleeping on the bed. But the two females between them had, in the end, and quite quickly, in fact, won the day, or the night, in this case. There had been some earth tremors lately, nothing serious, but the house and bed had shaken, and sometimes, when he woke up in the dead of night, it was not immediately clear whether billions of tons of rock and earth were making their slow way westward as the tectonic plates shifted, or whether the dog was scratching herself. Sensitive children Seeing things you don't Sensitive children Walking where you won't You can't contain her Just to love her to the bone Strange little alien Acting like she don't belong Strange little alien dancing to a different song. You can't control her, just to love her hard and strong. Child of the unseen, deep as the sea is blue. Child of the unseen, she ain't made like me and you. your heart and love her through and through serving extra tasty onions today with additional onion vitamins and minerals exclusively brought to you by our writers from our own community enjoy the full onion experience exclusively on 106.6 fm cone radio Spring Onion by John Dew. 
grey, barefooted goddess. You stuff space with profuse bright growth and colour overgrown and alien to screen-led irises. Beds of protruding narcissi sing in unison that the earth is rising beneath growing canopies. Spring, with a sloppy body and muddy legs, eyes sticky with dream and pollen, unseen by those fixed to their device. Spring, you shake your hips and swing your breasts with that shiny laugh. I'm so very fond of you that fronds project from my fingertips and entwine all I touch. And yet I forget how beautiful you are until you swing round that annual corner. If you gotta amputate, don't give me the tourniquet. You wish that I would run away, sever what isn't working. But I let my body bleed out. Leaning to my left side If your part of me is gone now Do I want to survive? My limb 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 Father by Pat Bloss. Reverend Barber stared disconsolately at a flickering blank screen. He had determined that this week's sermon would encompass the seven deadly sins. Where to start? His bulging 42-inch elasticated trousers relegated gluttony to a walk-on part. And the brand new Ford S-Max glinting on the driveway dared him to talk at any length about greed. Lust? Ah, there he was on firmer ground. Maud would never talk. Hmm, on reflection. Pride? Envy? Wrath? Well, who has never blown up over some small trifle? Oh, I can't be bothered, he thought. 
and settled back on the sofa for his afternoon nap. What is Memory For? by Tom Wolsey Consciousness and experience combine to give us memory. Memory gives each of us our unique narrative that's inaccessible to others. Our unique narratives give each of us our personhood. Our personhood gives us substance and access to communal living. The interaction between our nature and our narrative gives each of us our moral compass and character. Our moral compasses make communal living possible. Memory is the foundation of both morality and identity. And what makes us conscious? Well, we're still searching for that. And the fact we are searching is one of the things that sets us apart as humans. Outside my window, the night is full of sound 
of my hands But here I sit learning And grumbling and go-durning Ain't gonna help these lessons to go by Eight times twelve's how many And here's a guy called Benny Flew a kite into a lightning storm Who killed old Cock Robin While all the birds were sobbing Gee, that evening air smells sweet and warm Who can study silly words When the creek begins to run And the crocus pops up from the ground I challenge anyone Now it's off to school tomorrow With apologies and sorrow But I've got to watch this season being born Yes, I've got to watch this season being born I've got to watch this season FM Colm Radio we only serve the finest onions each one has been lovingly and organically hand reared using only our finest onion juice and our generations of deep onion knowledge to produce these award winning soundscapes of original stories and perfectly chosen music Every Breath You Take by Bill Lawrence Darling, are you awake? I heard breathing, I'm sure of it. Steady breaths coming from under our bed. I mean it. Lie still, listen. There, that gasp, did you hear it? I can hear movement too. Very faint. There it is again. Oh, my God. I can hear my own breathing as well. I can feel my heart beating, hear my pulse pounding in my ears. There are three of us breathing. Don't move. Do nothing. Keep very, very still. For God's sake, keep quiet. Darling... Are you sure your mother was dead when we put her under the bed? I can't wait forever Is all that you said before you stood up But you won't disappoint me I can do that myself But I'm glad that you've come Now if you don't mind Leave Leave And free yourself At the same time Leave Leave I don't understand You've already gone I hope you feel better Now that it's out What took you so long? And the truth has a habit Of falling out of your mouth Well now that it's come If you don't mind At the same time, leave, leave, let go of my hand. You said what you came to now, leave, 
my hand You said, would you have to now leave? them by Jake Becker. I strangely have little to tell, despite the view. I've travelled the world in photos, but it's nothing I can prove. Maybe Last month, a kid dropped a pistachio ice cream on me. He licked until his mum assured him he'd get scabies and die. Hours later, after a minute, the old man with the crossword, the one with eyes like horseflies skating on pond water, scooted next to the lady with the grammar book and farted. Shall we go somewhere else? he asked. Instead of heading into the Saturday crowd, she stayed. I'm still waiting for them to come back.
Thunder Stolen by Yvonne Pini In 1709, John Dennis's play Appius and Virginia was performed at Drury Lane. A dreary tragedy about Roman politics and skullduggery, the subject was unpromising enough, but further ruined by his leaden dialogue and staging. The only notable positive was his groundbreaking invention which created tempestuous rumbles for the storm scenes. His dire play closed almost immediately. The next production there was Macbeth. He was outraged to discover they'd used his sound effects machine. They close my play but steal my thunder, he protested. His work is now forgotten, but his indignant phrase lives on. You have been listening to 100 Word Onions. Written exclusively for Cone Radio by Natalie Eldred, Gladys Hornet, Sophie Drenogle, Phil Boast, John Dew, Pat Bloss, Tom Woolsey, Bill Lawrence, 
Jake Becker and Yvonne Peeney. And so that's all we have time for for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Com Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher Episode 20 Complex Relationships The longer we are here the more we begin to understand the social structures of the village who holds the power who is friends with whom and who is not, although this latter element seems to be a fluid and ever-changing thing. The complex interrelations between the families are too much to fathom so quickly in their entirety, and this is not helped by the fact that people seem to live together in quite random combinations, and children by no means always live with their parents, but might live with their aunt or grandfather or someone not related to them at all. Aris, being son to one of the founding fathers of Bohowo, knows everything about everybody in sometimes quite astonishing detail. He can tell you who are first cousins, second cousins, who moved to the village from where and how long ago, how many children they have, what the children's names are and so on. He does his best to explain everything to us, but it's hard to remember everything, especially since we don't know everybody yet. And Phil hasn't much idea about any of it, despite having spent far longer here than I have. This wealth of detailed knowledge is in such stark contrast with our own lives, where we barely know who lives next door. But then our lives are lives of international travel and disparate, far-flung families and friends. Whereas the people here rarely go far from the village, which is their whole world. We've offered Neoman a day trip with us to the Highlands, but he always politely refuses, and when pressed, he explains that there is no family there. So even a few hours away is more than can be comfortably dealt with, it seems. And then there are the names, of which people seem to have several. First and foremost is a Nama baptism, which we would call the Christian name. But these are not often used as everyday names, and hardly ever in their entirety. Whereas in England, we tend to use the first part of a name as a shortened version. Here, they use the end. For example, with Neoman's children, we might call Sebastian Seb, whereas they use Tian. Einstein, Sebastian's elder brother, is always Ein. So we thought that here was an exception to that general rule until we realised that, of course, it isn't. They are using the end of the name, which is the same as the beginning. Einstein is a name which crosses cultural boundaries. With the girls, it's Ma'arkang, Ma'ara, Ma'ari, Ma'ade, and so on, which are beautiful names, in my opinion, but they aren't used often, and people refer to other people by various names and at different times. When it comes to learning more about the people amongst whom we will soon be living, getting past the names is hard enough. Without getting the hang of who is related to whom, in which often highly complicated way. Nyoman itself is a Balinese name given to number four son, 
so everybody thinks he comes from Bali. He was named by his father's friend who was from Bali, hence the name, even though our Newman is actually number five. So some latitude is apparently allowed, which only adds further to the confusion. Sean is particularly interested in how the police force operates in this part of Indonesia. The answer being that it doesn't, necessarily, and certainly not unless it is paid to do so. Amongst their civic duties are traffic control, which rather involves setting up roadblocks and checking all passing vehicles for whatever is their fancy at the time. It may, for example, be a warning triangle in case of a breakdown. And if there isn't one on board, then the driver is fined 50,000 rupee on the spot, which is about three quid. So everyone buys warning triangles, only to find that next month it might be a fire extinguisher. I suppose in case the car spontaneously combusts in transit. We've been stopped a couple of times and we pay. To do otherwise is really too much trouble and may lead to further unwanted police involvement in one's affairs. In any case, in common with most of the people we encounter here, the police are on the whole nice smiley people and everyone parts friends. It's the way things are over here, so there isn't much we can do about it anyway. Most village disputes, accusations of robbery and so on in the villages, are settled by the headman, where the two families involved might be called together so that judgment may be made and an amicable solution found. Otherwise, matters may be settled by organized bare fist fighting, where families will elect their best fighter to engage in combat, last man standing or the first man conceding defeat, settling the matter to the satisfaction of all. This principle is also taken into the realms of village-wide disputes, where an agreed number of men will fight in organized fashion until one side concedes, which may be over a boundary dispute, mining rights or some such matter. Even killing someone here isn't necessarily a punishable offence. There is a man called Salis in the village, who is one of the many fishermen from whom we have bought fish. The wives always sell the fish, and since we don't know his wife's name, we call her Mrs. Fish. And further, between us and the lodge staff, his mother, who also sells us fish, is known as Mrs. Fish Banyat Blah 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 to distinguish her from the other fishermen's wives because she talks rather a lot. In this specific subgroup of village society, Salas's wife is Mrs. Fish No Signal because she is rather hard of hearing. And one of the other wives is quite young and pretty and she tends to wear loose-fitting and insubstantial vests. So she we call Mrs. Fish Little Bit Sexy. In any event, when Salas was about 18, he hacked his father to death with a machete. The police were called in this case, but no action was taken, as the father was not considered to be a good man and was abusive to Salas's mother. So all concluded and agreed that he had it coming, and Salas was free to go about his business. Salas is now known in Bohowo Lodge parlance as Mr. Choppy Choppy. 
sorry that I did this The blood is on my hands I stare at my reflection I don't know who I am Practice my confession In case I take the stand I'll say I learned my lesson I'll be a better man I'm packing up my things and I'm wiping down the walls I'm rinsing off my clothes and I'm walking through the halls I did it all for her so I felt nothing at all I don't know what she'll say so I'll ask her when she calls Would you love me more? Would you love me more? If I killed someone for you Would you hold my hands? There's the same ones that I used When I killed someone for you Regardless of names and social structures, the common thing amongst the village folk is that they have almost no money beyond that which they need to buy food from day to day and to cover the most basic requirements of life. Even this isn't a given, and one essential aspect of living in such a tightly interconnected community is that someone always has a bowl of rice and vegetables to offer, so nobody need go hungry. Birthdays are often celebrated by the preparation of a special family meal although no presents are given. And at Christmas, each family is expected to provide a fine spread of food for anyone who visits their home. Christmas Day is the most important day in the village calendar and also the most expensive. So in order to have enough money put by, various associations have been set up within the village which hold funds into which little money is deposited when possible to be released at Christmas. For example, there is the Fishermen's Association, the Fishermen's Wives Association, and so on. There is also an Associasi Orang Mati, or Dead People Association, and we wonder how well attended meetings of such an organisation must be, until it is explained to us that this is a specific association set up to pay for funerals in order to give people a good send-off. People may, in times of dire need, borrow from these associations, and this is where the problems begin. And now we meet Mr. Seblum. Mr. Seblum looks after about five children, not all of which are his. And somehow he is in debt to one association to the tune of three million rupiah, with no hope of paying it back by Christmas and probably ever. Mr. Seblum is another one who is handy with the woodwork tools. And since it has become known that we are looking for carpenters, Aris comes to us with a proposition to save Christmas for the village. We pay off Mr. Seblum's debts, which are about 172 quid, and he will pay us back in kind by making us some furniture. It's a proposition that we can scarce refuse. Mr. Seblum seems like a decent chap, with a lot of children to feed and clothe, and so we now have three people making furniture, which is almost an embarrassing excess of carpenters, but there it is, and it seems that when it comes to village carpenters, and rather like the weather here, it never rains, but it pours. Motherland, cradle me Close my eyes, lullaby me to sleep Keep me safe, lie with me Stay beside me, don't go Don't you go Find out what further adventures are in store for Phil and Paula as they travel from Colchester to Sulawesi in the next episode of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Bill's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 